0: Good morning, church. Thank you, Eric, for the recognition of my birthday, by the way. Uh, As I was getting ready this morning. Oh, the kids are to be dismissed. I'm sorry. I'm being reminded by my wife. As I was getting ready this morning, my uncle from Florida sent me a text and he said, Happy birthday. You are now approaching middle age, and I said, uh, "Yes," and I have the gray hair and five grandkids to prove it. Now being 46 years old, so uh, so thank you for that. It is an absolute privilege to share the word of God with you this morning. How many of you have ever visited Old Faithful? Anybody? A couple of you have been to see uh, this treasured possession of our country. Uh, Yellowstone is on our vacation list. We've not been there yet, uh, but we do want to visit that at some point in time. Do you know why it's called Old Faithful? I'm not asking you. I'm just wondering if you do. Um, I did some research on this. Uh, Old Faithful was discovered in 1870, and it erupts about 20 times a day, give or take approximately about 60 to 100 minutes apart, 110 minutes apart, are the eruptions for Old Faithful. It spews between what scientists estimate to be about 3,700 to 8,400 gallons at each eruption. That's a significant amount of water. So in simple terms, Old Faithful is just that. It's old and it is faithful. Uh, It's faithful, though, within an accepted amount of latitude. It's not erupting every hour on the hour. There's an amount of latitude within its faithfulness. But not with God. God is always faithful. God is always on time. Uh, God is never late. Uh, He's never early. He's always perfectly on time. He is always faithful all the time. And that is a beautiful beautiful reminder to us, always faithful. Now, I'm not here to give you a geological lesson. That's not the point. Although I enjoy geology, it's part of my professional work in environmental health. If you want to know more, ask me. I'm not going to bore you with the details, Uh, but it is something that I do enjoy. Geology gives us a beautiful reminder of our creator, does it not? We look at, we can see the beauty of creation all around us and everything. But when we look at geology and we see the way that the Lord formed the earth, it's just absolutely majestic to us, and it is absolute mystery to us as well. It's beautiful. No, not a geology lesson today, but rather I want to journey through the Word of God to study the faithfulness of God. Now, we don't have enough time in one sermon, obviously, to go through the entire Bible over that topic. But I do want to journey from Genesis to Revelation and look at various passages about the faithfulness of God. We're going to focus on three main points. You should have them in your handout. Uh, You've got a blank handout uh, with those three points, so feel free to enter as much as you'd like. If that doesn't help you, that's okay, too. But the three points that we're going to look at today... It's how God is faithful to his promises. God is faithful to discipline his children. And God is faithful to save his own. Now, there are many more things that God is faithful in. But those are the three key things that we're going to talk about today through my time at this pulpit. So the first thing that I want to look at is how God is faithful to his promises. When you think of the word faithful... Just think of that word in your mind, the word faithful. What comes to mind? You can count on me. I'm always going to be faithful. Always going to be faithful. Always? Maybe not always. Some some might say, well, I'm a faithful church attender. I am here every Sunday, every Wednesday night. Every time the church doors are open, I am here. I am faithful. Good. Good. That's good. Proud of you. That's great. I'm a faithful employee. I show up to work every single day. I never miss a day of work. I am a faithful employee. Congratulations. That's good. I am faithful to cut the grass every Saturday. No matter what, that grass is going to get cut on Saturday. I'm faithful to cut the grass. Again, good. I'm faithful to my spouse, as you should be. My pet, my pet is faithful. No matter what kind of day I've had, when I come home, my dog is always happy to see me. That dog is so faithful. That's all in good. All of those things are good things. Faithful. The word itself, I want you to think about that word one more time. Some definitions that I came across, which I thought were quite pertaining to this sermon. One definition says this, faithful remaining loyal and steadfast good two another definition faithful steadfast in affection or allegiance the third one faithful is being firm in adherence to promises or an observance of duty now that one caught my attention firm in adherence to promises, faithful. In Genesis chapter 3, verse 14, we read this. The Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and above all beasts of the field. On your belly you shall go, and dust you shall eat all the days of your life. I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. This is the first promise that we read in the Bible. And it is extremely important. Why? Well, first we know through Moses, God is writing. God is giving us uh, this passage in the book of Genesis. But what's interesting is this, is that... This was part of God's redemptive plan, was it not? This crafty creature was part of his redemptive plan. He knew this creature, this crafty serpent. Why? Because he created it. He created it. Genesis 3 verse 1 says, Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God actually say you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? This crafty creature thought that he could thwart God's plan. But what he failed to recognize is this. He was part of his plan. He couldn't thwart it. God's sovereign hand was upon this. He was a part of it. In fact, this theme of promises is woven throughout the Bible. And we will see the ultimate fulfillment when Satan is defeated one last time when he and his minions are thrown into the lake of fire. Amen to that. We've been studying these things on Wednesday night in the book of Revelation. If you haven't, I'm going to give a little plug. If you haven't joined us, join us. It's a wonderful study. We just learned this last Wednesday night, Pastor referred to this lake of fire as the second death. Revelation 19.20 says this, And the beast was captured, and with it the false prophet, who was in its presence, had done the signs by which he deceived those who had received the mark of the beast and those who worshipped its image. These two were thrown alive into the lake of fire that burns with sulfur, Yet another promise we read in the book of Genesis, Genesis chapter 12, verse 1 through 3. Now the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you, and I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you, all of the families of the earth shall be blessed. Amen. Turn with me to Genesis chapter 15. Further extension of that in chapter 15, verse 1, it says this, After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in in a vision. Fear not, Abram, I am your shield. Your reward shall be very great. But Abram said, O Lord God, what will you give me? For I continue childless, and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram said, Behold, you have given me no offspring, and a member of my household will be my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, This man shall not be your heir. Your very own son shall be your heir. And he brought him outside and said, Look towards heaven and number the stars if you are able to number them. Then he said to him, So shall your offspring be. And he believed the Lord, and he counted it to him as what? Righteousness. 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 Now let's make something clear. This is not faith in faith, not name it and claim it faith. I'm going to believe it in faith, and it's going to come to be. No, that's not what this is. That is not biblical. No, rather, rather Abraham believed the Lord in faith and what? Again, we just read it. It was credited to him as righteousness. Abraham believed God. This is the key. I want you to hear this. Abraham believed God even before his deeds supported his faith. May that be the same in us. May we believe God even before our deeds support our faith. Sometimes we just don't understand. That's the beauty of faith. Secondly, God's favor regards him as righteous because of his faith. So Abraham was regarded as righteous because of his faith. There was nothing that he did that could make him righteous in the Lord's eyes. It was his faith. Other Old Testament promises. Turn to me to Psalm chapter 1. Psalm chapter 1, verse 1 says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. And all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but they like chaff that the wind drives away. We're going to go through some more scripture. It's going to be kind of rapid fire, so be ready. Proverbs chapter 3, 5 through 6. We're familiar with this passage. Most of us are. Proverbs 3, 5 through 6 says this, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make make straight your paths. See a little weave of faith there, don't we? Do not lean on your own understanding. It's not going to make sense. We can't always comprehend it. But, Lord, I trust you. I trust you because we know, Lord, I know that you are faithful at all times. Psalm chapter 4, verse 2 and 3. O men, how long shall my honor be turned into shame? How long will you love vain words and seek after lies? But know that the Lord has set apart the godly for himself. The Lord hears when I call to him. Aren't you thankful for that? that when we call upon the Lord, He hears us. Why? Because we are His children. As any good parent would do, listen to their child. Psalm 37, 1 through 6. Fret not yourself because of evildoers. Be not envious of wrongdoers, for they will soon fade like the grass and wither like the green herb. Trust in the Lord and do good Dwell in the land and befriend faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your ways to the Lord. Trust in him, and he will act. He will bring forth your righteousness as the light, just as he did in Abraham, and your justice as the noonday. Now, go back a little bit. Where it says delight yourself in the Lord And he will give you the desires of your heart Now that does not mean That God will give you everything you want No No but as we walk with the Lord Year after year after year The desires that the Lord would have Become the desires that we now desire Big difference Big difference If the Lord gave us everything we want We would be spoiled children wouldn't we And he doesn't work that way. In fact, we're going to talk more about that when we talk about the discipline of the Lord, which is glorious. But he will give you the desires of your heart. The more we serve him, the more and more and more sanctified we become, and the more we desire to do the will of the Lord. It just becomes natural to us. It doesn't mean that we still don't battle our sin nature. No, of course not. But look again at this word righteousness. Righteousness. Like in Abraham, God's favor that regards us, you and I, righteousness, God's favor that regards us as righteous because of our faith. Because of our faith. Just like so many of God's promises, there is a qualifier. How many times do we see that in the Word of God? If you do this, then I will do this. There is a qualifier. Now, I firmly believe that as we are serving the Lord as well, that those things will just, again, not only be our nature, but God gives us the ability to do those things. It's not in our own abilities. We would fail miserably. I know I would. Commit your ways to Him. Trust in Him. Do you struggle with that? Do you struggle committing your ways and trusting in Him? We learned this weekend at the men's retreat, as we have all been reminded, we can't base our faith off our feelings. All over the place. All over the place. Commit your way to him and trust in him. Turn to the book of Jeremiah. Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. We would say amen to that. However it's in the context let's dig this out a little bit further here we love this passage don't we though we love to claim this passage in fact in our house on a shelf in our dining room we have a, a, a sailboat my mom gave it to me years ago and on the sail of the boat is this passage etched in the sail it's a great passage amen amen but what is the context of this passage? What was happening in this passage? The context is this. It was in the midst of suffering, in the midst of famine, in the midst of persecution that was happening to the Jews. And I want you to think about that. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, even when you're in the middle of persecution. Plans for welfare and not for evil to give you a future and a hope even in the middle of persecution. Look back at verse 10 if you're there. 29 verse 10. For thus says the Lord, when 70 years are completed for Babylon, 70 years, 70 years, I will visit you. And I will visit you to my promise and bring you back to this place. Verse 11. Go down to verse 12. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me and I will hear you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and I will restore your fortunes and gather you from all the nations and all the places where I have driven you. Did you catch that? Where I have driven you, declares the Lord. And I will bring you back to the place from which I sent you into exile. Amen. Always consider the context. We we, we are, as Christians in general, we're good to cherry-pick out verses that we love, that we can hold on to, and that's good, but always consider the context. As the Old Testament is closed... In the book of Malachi, chapter 4, verse 1, we read this. For behold, the day is coming, burning like an oven, when all the arrogant and all ev- evildoers will be stubble. The day that is coming shall set them ablaze, says the Lord of hosts, so that in it excuse me, so that it will leave them neither root nor branch. But for you who fear my name, the son of righteousness, shall rise with healing in its wings. You shall go out leaping like calves from the stall, and you shall tread down the wicked, for they will be ashes under the soles of your feet on the day when I act, says the Lord of hosts. And then we have the time of silence before the opening of the New Testament. In the New Testament, in Matthew chapter 1. Turn there if you would. Matthew chapter 1, verse 21. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. For he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophets. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from his sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. More promises of the Lord. Romans chapter 8, 828, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. Does it always feel that way? No. No, it sure doesn't. But it's true. God works all things for the good. But what's the caveat? For those who are called according to his purpose. James 1 5, let's look there. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach. And it will be given him. It's a promise. You lack wisdom? Ask God. He will give it to you. Let's go to Revelation. Revelation chapter 1, verse 3. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of the prophecy and blessed are those who hear and who keep what is written in it for the time is near. Revelation 3.5. Let's go a little further. 3.5 says, The one who conquers will be clothed thus in white garments, and I will never blot his name out of the book of life. Never. Never blot his book out of the, name, out of the book of life. I will confess his name before my Father and before his angels. What an amazing promise that is. Revelation 22, 7. And behold, I am coming soon. Blessed is the one who keeps the words of this prophecy of this book. And one of my favorite personal New Testament passages of God's promises is the second half of Hebrews 13, verse 5, where it simply says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. What great strength we can draw from that promise. The Lord will never leave you nor forsake you when you are His. How do we ultimately see all of these promises fulfilled? We see them all fulfilled in Jesus Christ. I encourage you to hold on to His promises Go through the Word and study more of these. If you want to look at the ones that I've referenced, that's just a snapshot of the promises of God throughout the entire Word. Study the promises because they're just as valuable to us today. So we've looked at how God is faithful in His promises. I want to look at the second part now. I want to talk about something that isn't often talked about in church just in general I'm not saying here I'm just saying in general and that is how God is faithful in disciplining his children kind of hurts but he does how many of us like to be disciplined Yes, please, sign me up. I want to be disciplined today. Probably not too many of us. But when we consider it from our Father, it is for our good. And we're going to dig into that here in a little bit. Now, of course, most of us would rather avoid discipline. When I was a child, did I enjoy being disciplined by my mom no most of the time quite frankly it was disciplined by my grandma she was much harder on me than my mom but thank God for tough grandmas uh, because she helped to make me the person that I am and of course my mother too but my grandma was definitely harder on me (laughs) did I enjoy it no I didn't enjoy it but brothers and sisters let me share with you something Some of the greatest work, I want you to hear me clearly, some of the greatest work that the Lord will ever do in your life is when he leads you through a season of discipline. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12 verse 3 Says this Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint hearted. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. And have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? Here it is My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord. Do not be weary when reproved by him, for the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. It is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons, for what son is there whom his father does not discipline? If you are left without discipline, in which all have participated, then you are "'illegitimate children, and not sons. "'Besides this, we have had earthly fathers "'who disciplined us, and we respected them. "'Shall we not much more be subject "'to the Father of spirits and live? "'For they disciplined us for a short time, "'as it seemed best to them. "'But He disciplines us, what? "'For our good, that we may share His holiness.'" For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. And please understand when this verse is referring to sons, sons and daughters apply as well. It's both. It's all of us. It's all of us. But did you hear it in verse 6? For the Lord disciplines the one he loves. Verse 10, he disciplines us for our good. Verse 11, it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Don't overlook that word, trained by it. How many of you as parents have said this? If I didn't love you so much, I would let you do whatever you wanted to do. I've said that many times to my kids when they were growing up. If I didn't love you so much, I wouldn't care. But because I do care and because I do love you, because I do want to see you live a life honoring of the Lord, that wasn't always well received either, but it's okay. I discipline you because I love you. But how does the Lord do this? What does that look like in our lives? I can't tell you exactly how that will look in your life because every one of us are different. Each of us are unique. Each of us being made in God's image. He knows how to tailor fit that for each of us. But oftentimes it does look like this through trials, through tribulations, through conviction or exposure of sin. Or in loss. The list could go on and on and on. How the Lord disciplines us. It could be the loss of a job. The loss of a loved one, maybe. Many times the discipline might not have anything to do with what we have done. Sometimes we can be affected by other people and that can secondarily affect us. Again, those things are tailor-fitted for God's children by our Father. It can even come in the loss of a spouse. Now, I'm going to hit the pause button on this sermon for a moment. And if you will, I would like to share a testimony that includes myself and my beautiful wife sitting in the front. And I'll just give you a little forewarning. I might get a little emotional. My wife and I have been here at Grace Bible Fellowship for about four and a half years. The first time we walked in the door, uh, we met a couple. That was also Bill McTee, for those of you that remember Bill and Kim. The moment we met Bill and Kim McTee, we immediately knew that this is our church home. It just clicked. This is where we need to be. See, she and I came from two different theological backgrounds in some degree. Uh, She formed more from Reformed uh, theology. I had a lot of exposure uh, in in Pentecostal theology. I was an Assembly of God pastor, actually, and I bivocationally pastored a couple churches. Um, So it was an interesting dynamic when we met. And we were praying, truly praying, Lord, where would you have us To land and of course as everyone does we go online and we we google search churches and we read their doctrine we read their statements of faith and we visited here and then when we started going to premarital counseling uh, my previous pastor steve adamson at faith church married us Uh, great respect for steve adamson Um, we were talking to him about these things and before we even said a word, he says, well, you know, I don't want to see you go, but if you do go, why don't you go and visit Grace Bible Fellowship? Well, Pastor Steve, we've already done that, and that's where we're going to be. And he was very happy to hear that, by the way. We married June 1st of 2019. So some say you're still newlyweds. Well, we are, but we now have five grandchildren along, so... Uh, so that, that was not expected. Um, most of you didn't know us. Amanda lived in Princeville, so we were about an hour apart. But each of us were previously married. Uh, each of us had three children from our previous marriage. Uh, between all six, we have three boys and three girls. You've seen most of our kids, not all of them. Uh, They range from 17 to 24. My sons, my my biological sons are 17 and 24. All the other four are in between. Um, And that alone, we can talk about that another time with blending families. That's been an adventure, but it's been the Lord has honored it, that's for sure. But sadly, both of our previous spouses stepped out of the marital vows and pursued other relationships. And it became clear in both of our previous marriages that divorce was the only option because neither of them desired to repent. Neither of them desired to serve the Lord. Now, they may have said things. That's not the point. That they were doing thus and so for the Lord. No, no. Neither of them were genuinely repentant. So divorce became the only option. We had never met. We, we we'd never knew each other. We didn't know what the Lord was doing in both of our lives and both of our families through that course of time. We didn't know. But divorce became the only option. Amanda and her previous husband divorced August of 2016. I and my previous wife divorced January of 2018. So she was a little bit ahead of me in the journey. But this is what I want to highlight this. This is what I want you to hear. That time of brokenness and, yes, discipline. Why discipline? Because it wasn't just our other spouses. There were things in us that had to change. There were things in us that the Lord had to work on. There were things in us that needed to be disciplined But we both submitted to that. Willingly submitted to that, even though it was the most painful journey. You ask her the same. It was the most painful journey that we had ever been on in our life. In fact, my mom sitting right here, I can tell you this, two days before my divorce finalized, I was sitting next to my mom about where Eric and Andy would be in our previous church. I was so overwhelmed with anxiety, I couldn't even stand up. Literally, I couldn't move. My mom took me to the hospital. I was seen in the emergency room. They said, You're just dealing with an anxiety attack. Here's some medicine. Fine, whatever you need to give me. I can't. I felt like I was going to die. My mom was so gracious to walk with me through that time and be so patient with me because she knew she didn't like to see her son hurting. But God was doing a great work. As I shared, we were about 14 to 17 months apart in our journey. This is the part that I love to share. As Amanda was at her church in Princeville praying and seeking her church leadership in prayer, they began praying for her future husband. I at our church at Faith Church I would come to the altar for prayer because I didn't know what else to do and people would pray for me. And about I don't know how many weeks that went on and on and on I just I just was being broken and it was good. But I believe it was about a week or two before we actually met her pastor turned to her and asked her this question, Amanda, do you want to be married? And she said, yes. And I remember she sharing me this in emotion and saying, yes, I want to be married. My mom then, along my journey, she and I got to talking and I was sharing with her, Mom, I am 40 years old and I am petrified to start all over again. So she encouraged me, as any good mom does, and I got on Match.com. We met on Match.com, I wasn't going to share this, but I'm going to share this with you. Uh, I met her. I saw her almost right away, messaged her. But you know what? I shared this this weekend at the men's retreat. When we were searching for our future spouse, what was the very first thing that was priority number one? You better be a believer. You better be a Christian, because if not, just move along. And that was the priority for both of us. We both wanted to be equally yoked. So we met, had our first date, I joked with her, I said, "I just got on here. You owe me my first month. I just literally I paid 36 dollars or whatever it was, and she looked at me and she said, "Oh, oh no. I've been on here for a year and a half waiting for you." <laughs> Praise God. Praise God. But through that time, I latched onto something that I heard a pastor share. He said this, While you pray and wait, God is making you spiritually fit to receive what he is already willing to do. So God was making us spiritually fit to receive what he was already willing to do. That concept of the sovereignty of God totally changed my perspective because we learned that God had orchestrated these things. God had allowed these things for his glory and for our redemption. Amen. During that season Psalm 46:10 became a lifeline to both of us. It says be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations I will be exalted in the earth. Amen. When you are facing that time of difficulty when you are facing it will happen. When you are facing that time of difficulty But especially during that time of spiritual discipline by the Lord, hold on to this truth. Be still and know that I am God. Be still. Remember that the Lord is always faithful. He is always faithful. Even when in discipline it feels like he has abandoned us. So quickly, we'll move to the final point here. We've looked at God's faithfulness in his promises in his discipline, but the third prong is this, his promise to save his own. Again, we revisit the promise of God in Genesis, the word enmity between you and the woman. How will this enmity be resolved? What will he save us from? But before we can answer this, we need to consider this question. It's a simple question. But it carries tremendous amount of weight. Are you, am I, are we a sinner? Romans 3, 23 through 27 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance he had passed over former sins. It was to show his righteousness at the present time, so that he might be just, and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. So then what is to become of our boasting? Is it excluded? By what kind of law? By a law of works? No, but by the law of faith. All have sinned. Ecclesiastes 720 says there is No righteous man on earth who does good and never sins. No, there is not one. One last passage. Let's turn to Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5, verse 19. Now the works of the flesh are evident sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that that those that do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the contrast is in verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit... The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Again, against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. 1 John 1.10 says, If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar. And his word is not in us. Verse before that, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins. Faithful and just to cleanse us, all, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So again, I ask you, are you a sinner? I'm a sinner. You're a sinner. We all fall short of the glory of God. Even our beautiful 10-day-old granddaughter sitting right here is a sinner, born into a sin nature. But we have assurance in him. But what will he save us from? Well, he will certainly save us from ourselves and our own reckless behavior. He will save us from the wrath in the days to come. What great peace there is in that. But he will surely save us from our sin. That's the greatest promise of all. Romans 10, 9. I'm going to read one more passage for you. Romans 10, 9, verse... Excuse me, Romans 10, verse 9. for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So as much as we can splendor at the beauty of something like Old Faithful, how much more, how much more as we stand in the awe of the beauty of our Creator and our majestic Savior that He has sent to us in Christ Jesus. Let's pray. Father, what a great privilege it has been to speak your word this morning. Lord, I think about your faithfulness. And as I shared a brief testimony about Amanda and I, uh, Father, I remember about seven and a half years ago, even in my own life, When things were exposed, when truth was revealed, Lord, and what brokenness there was. But God, even in my own personal life, you have been so faithful, faithful, faithful in your promises, faithful in your discipline, faithful in saving. Oh Lord, thank you so much. Father, I pray for each person that is here today that has heard the words from my mouth, but primarily have heard the words from Holy Scripture, Lord, would you do the same in each of them? Would you remind them of your promises that yes, are all yes and amen in Christ Jesus? But Father, sometimes we just need reminded of that. Sometimes our faith is is weary sometimes our bodies are simply weary sometimes we're just tired and we need reminded of that but lord for those that might even be in a season of discipline right now by the lord father would they be willing to endure through that discipline lord may they be willing to learn from that discipline May they be willing even to ask the question, is there even an ounce of truth in what this person might have said to me that I took such offense to? Is there even an ounce of truth in that? Lord, reveal your truth to us. And Lord, we thank you that you are certainly faithful in saving us. Father, for those of us that have called on the name of the Lord, you are and continue to be faithful to save us father i pray that if there's anyone today that has heard these words that father today might be the day of salvation for them if they have been challenged by these things and father i pray that you would do a mighty work in each of us that we would be encouraged today father that you would just bless the hearer today by the strength of jesus christ Father, again, I thank you, and we praise you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.